Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if... What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org slash wonders We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best The American Technion Society World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you Hey listeners, it's Mishi. Last week we released our 50th wartime diary. This week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained, So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. We woke up in the morning, there's a siren, And of course, the closest place is the house of the lion, the lion's den. (laughs) So I run like crazy and I'm like, oh my God, it's like my worst nightmare. What happened then? He couldn't care less (laughs) and he just stayed outside and was very happy. And I had a story to tell my family in France and to send selfies inside the lion's den without the lion because they didn't come in. And... um, It's a story. I think I'm going to tell it to my grandkids when they'll ask, Oh my God, Granny, there was a war. (laughs) What did you do? Hey listeners, it's Mishi. So as you know, we continue to bring you wartime diaries. Our attempt at collecting slivers of life during these dark, dark days. And today, we'll visit a place which is actually full of life. A place that is under normal circumstances, one of the most visited sites in the entire country, Jerusalem's Biblical Zoo, or, in its official name, the Tish Family Zoological Gardens. 
Since the start of the war, the city of Jerusalem has welcomed more than 30,000 evacuees from both the north and the south. And with such an influx of people, and especially such an influx of kids, there was a real need to create and offer programming and activities. The Jerusalem Foundation stepped in and launched something called Double Impact, an initiative that sent tens of thousands of evacuees, as well as the city's schoolchildren, to various cultural and leisure institutions, museums, theaters, the aquarium, and, of course, the zoo. The double impact part of it was because it not only benefited the kids, who got a day of fun and enrichment, but also the institutions themselves that were all, obviously, struggling. Now, the first animal in the Jerusalem Zoo arrived in 1940, brought by a group of British soldiers. It was a desert monitor, which, in case you're not up on your reptiles, is sort of a gray lizard. Since then, and even amid the drama of the 1948 War of Independence, the zoo has served as a home to a wide and growing variety of animals, and is truly one of the few places in town that is welcoming to every sector of society. Jews and Arabs, Israelis and Palestinians, secular and religious, young and old. It's also open every single day of the year, except for Yom Kippur, Yom HaShoah, and Yom HaZikaron. But that, as you might have guessed, changed on the morning of October 7th. For the next 18 days, the gates of the zoo were shut. Thanks in no small part to the Double Impact program, however, the zoo was able to reopen and has emerged as a source of solace and life here in Jerusalem. All of our producers wanted to go out on this assignment, but Mitch Ginsburg and Yael ben Chorin won out and got a private tour of the zoo. My name is Maya German. I'm the marketing manager and customer experience manager of the Tisch family zoological gardens in Jerusalem. I was born in Paris, but I made Aliyah when I was three, and I have the best job in the world, I think. What was it like at the very beginning of the war on October 7th? So it was very challenging for the zoo. First of all, everything started uh, just before we opened the gates. So we had to close the gates, we had to change everything on the website. And uh, then we started getting all the messages of everyone leaving <laughs> and going to defend the country. Mm. Um, we had about 30 employees that uh, left Fumiluim. And we don't have thousands and thousands of employees here. We're a small place. And uh, it was very, very challenging. And at the first week, uh, the zoo was completely closed. It's so weird to be in a closed zoo. Everything is so quiet. We're not used to that. We're used to sounds, you see. We're used to sounds of, uh, of kids, of people. And, and suddenly it's like Yom Kippur. The animals feel that there is no people walking around. And uh, it was, it was, it's very weird. And then pretty soon after that, you reopened? Yeah. Uh, and then we started uh, inviting in people that, were, that came to live in Jerusalem. And uh, they had to leave their homes. And so we started to have small groups of people coming in from Sderot, from, uh, from all the kibbutzim. And so we had the opportunity to give them a moment out of the hotel, out of the stress, 
And then uh, we got a huge support from the Jerusalem Foundation. So now from November, we had over 12,000 children here at the zoo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We had some children who were held captive in Gaza and came back home. And they came to visit us at the zoo. What was it like? It was, uh, it was very, very, first of all, it was very moving to see, to see someone that you, you saw on a poster just uh, two weeks ago and you were terrified for their lives to be walking with them here in the park and to see that they're happy and they're joyful and they're alive and they're safe and they're okay. It was so, so moving. But it was also moving to see their reaction and the understanding that, that they're going to be, I hope so, okay. They're going to be okay. And we took them to see the giraffes a bit and to enjoy some special things. There's the baby giraffes now, no? Yeah, we have three baby giraffes. We have a baby boom at the giraffes, actually. They like to reproduce here. Good on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Way to go, giraffes. So we introduced some animals, some close encounters with turtles and a snake. What was amazing? That you have no idea what to expect. And then they're just kids. The first few days were a bit tense, not between the workers, just outside, coming from different locations in Jerusalem. But then inside the zoo, there's no politics in the zoo, no issues religion-wise, and, and it's like we're in a bubble. Uh, so my name is Benjamin Feinsod. I've been working here in the zoo since 99. When I was 12, I started as a volunteer and then started working here at the age of 14 and been ever since uh, in the zoo. Currently I'm in charge of the carnivores and the orangutans and I also supervise the elephants and the primate sections here in the zoo. Actually our chief zoologist is on reserve duty. Our two head keepers, uh, Binyamin here, was in reserve. Yeah, and I'm still in reserve duty. What are, you, what are you doing when you're not in the zoo and you're in reserve duty? Like, how sharp of a departure is it? Uh, what do I do in the army? I'm in a war room, I think, Hamal. Uh, and I've got it relatively easy because I'm in Beersheva compared to other people who were drafted into reserve duty. Dealing with what sort of stuff? All logistics and uh, transportation of armored vehicles for all the units that were brought to the south and then maintaining that uh, throughout the last three months. So it's a big transition from war room to zoo and back Yes, again. it's a big transition, uh, but it's a position that I've been doing for the last uh, few years. So, and unfortunately, every time there was like a tense situation, then they'd call us and say, come now. And then this time it just was different and, and longer and is still continuing. But recently I've had a, the option to come out for a day once a week or two days to come to the zoo. Also for me, psychologically, to come back to the zoo is nice. And also uh, so that I can see that everything's going along. And at the beginning it was a bit difficult with the staffing situation. Uh, let's. I want to show you the the lemurs. Yes, it's the coolest exhibit. Oh yeah, I love the because lemurs. it's an open exhibit. And what's so cool about them that they're sitting on the tree and they're sunbathing. <laughs> Who are you the most excited to visit on a regular basis when you walk around the zoo? 
wow that's it that it's like asking who's my favorite child i know it is <laughs> it's 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 impossible to choose so where are we now uh we're in the small animal building which is also considered a safe area that's right yeah yeah this is the reason I didn't want to come here during the early days of the war because of that massive python or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to be around with the python. I didn't want him getting out like in Harry Potter. <laughs> so we're here by the golden lion tamarins, which are small uh, monkeys that come from South America. And just before the war, we were about to send a tamarind to Tenerife in Spain. Now, sending an animal out of the country isn't that easy. It's month and month of uh, all kinds of veterinary permits and all kinds of different permits in order to send an animal out. And he had a flight scheduled for exactly when the war started. And like everything in the country came to a standstill, then that also stopped. And then because the permit is for a specific date for the animal to fly, now we have to start all the permit process uh, from the beginning. So unfortunately, we couldn't send the tamarind out. Uh, and it, it, sending animals out is important because they're all part of breeding programs. Can you say hi to the orangutans? <laughs> you can say hi to the orangutans. I didn't see the orangutans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for days. I love the orangutan exhibit, oh. the new one. He's their favorite person. <laughs> Oh, there they are. Oh, they're huddling. Oh, that's the big male. Vito! We have here two males and two females uh, in the zoo. And how did they do during the uh, early days of the war or during any of the sirens that we've had? Uh, they don't care too much about the sirens. Uh, like many of our animals in the zoo, we teach them an emergency recall so that if we need anything, we can lock them in the house we sound a bell or something and then they run into the house and we can lock them. So we didn't actually do it in the sirens because usually we weren't sitting waiting by the orangutans because we'd go somewhere safe in a siren. Uh, but if suddenly a rocket falls or something like that, then we have the ability to try and lock them in and, and separate them in a safer location. That's amazing. You taught them to recognize the bell as a sound of time to pack up our stuff and go inside? Yeah, we do it uh, with many of our animals in the zoo as a normal behavior that we train them to do for emergency situations. It's not something specifically that we did for the war, but we did it. We, we train them to come into the house when we need to, if there's an emergency, and just run into the house. So if, God forbid, anything would happen, then we have the ability to do that. And like, what else would be considered an emergency? Like a fire or...? A fire, the hole opening, a rocket falling, anything that we think would be an emergency and then just lock them in. Somebody falling into the exhibit in the orangutans, it's closed so nobody can fall in. But in the lion exhibit, for example, if somebody climbs over and falls in, then maybe that might help separate the animal from somebody falling in. Is They're, not falling in. They're not falling in. <laughs> They're not falling in. <laughs> These are langers. We have here our dominant male, uh, two females and two youngsters, which aren't that young. They're two years old. And then the beginning of the war, uh, Liz, our female, gave birth uh, to a young female who we called Nova as part of... Uh, Commemoration. Yeah. He has good hair. Yes. <laughs> Were you in touch with the zoo in Gaza at all? No, there was the lion in Gaza. Uh, that uh, Because they know in the army that I work 
in the zoo, then, then, they, then we were talking about rescuing the lions from Gaza. And if the lion would be rescued or moved, then he'd move to a sanctuary in Jordan. He would be just passing through Israel to a sanctuary in Jordan. I can tell you that there was a lot, a lot of activity. Also people from Arzu that uh, during the Miluim went into the Otef and went to, to rescue the animals. Every animal that needs help and we can do something will help. Here the first thing are the animals and the welfare and the well-being of the animals. And after is everything else. And, and you can see, you can see that Every, everybody's happy here. You don't, see, you don't see crying people here, you don't see sadness. And every day I come in, even if it's like I get the most terrible news, I come here and I look at this beautiful place and everything, everything slows down. And it's important to have this beacon of light.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.